correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and over on the other side of my screen is someone else named Steve. Hello. And uh, we're going to try and get an episode recorded as long as technical difficulties don't get in the way of such. Correct. If not, you may hear one of us talk to ourselves for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then there will be a time skip. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, before we get into all that, what's our D20 Network podcast of the week this week, Steve? Well, it's it's the new podcast, the new old podcast. Yes. Um, the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny. Yes. Which is, uh, we had one or both the hosts on a while back I, i'm my memory is did. when we did our kind of it was a follow-up to the the super like the super powered fantasy stuff we had talked about and um we talked with aramithius and reals who are the hosts of said podcast a couple of wonderful chaps from the uk and um yeah they and, and if you go back and listen to the episode they did with us it's about a i want to say a month month and a half ago they really know exalted or at least it appears to me they really know Exalted. They were certainly spouting lots of things about it that I had no clue about. <laughs> no disrespect to them, but they could have absolutely been making stuff up and we'd have been like, yeah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I have seen them about some other places and, and they do actually seem to know their stuff. Very, very cool people. Yeah, very nice. and, and, and... It's very much a lore and setting exploration of the game. Um, and actually what they usually do is they take any topic and they split it into two episodes, one discussing the lore and then a second discussing how to actually use this in your games, which I think is a neat way to approach it. It really is. They, and there's they a spaceship were, that is a god. Yeah. It, <laughs> some cool stuff happening there. Exalted is really interesting. Um, On the subject of Exalted, I wonder if you ever watched Black Clover uh the anime yes yeah you think that i i don't think that is an exalted setting but i think exalted would work really well for that to play that if if what i'm understanding of exalted is correct possibly but i wouldn't mainly because i think of i feel like exalted's a higher power level than black clover because what i now granted not a huge fan of black clover so i dropped it after season one but what season I remember one of season like 50 one, fifty episodes. I know, but what I remember of season one was that it was like not as high power level. I don't know. It's been a long time. I could yeah, be. Wrong. I'm part way through season one, so okay. I could. Yeah, be wrong I, too. I I don't think it's as high power level as Exalted wants to be. I think a better example would be oh, Good Omens on Amazon, <laughs> where it's it's literally an angel and a demon existing and doing shenanigans aha which is a fantastic series that got a second season and i haven't seen it yet so don't spoil it guys <laughs> um that might change by the time this episode comes out i don't know we'll see how tonight goes <laughs> anyways 
Speaking of seeing how tonight goes, we're talking about one shots and the tones we set with them. Yeah. As compared to like long term play. Yeah. Which I think, you know, I mean, we've done an episode or two about tone and I think it's really important. But one shots are one shots are different than campaigns. Gee. Did you happen to write down who suggested this topic? I believe that was Eric. Oh. Hi, Eric. <laughs> I'd have to go back and, and scroll through the channel, but I think it was Eric. Oh, okay. That's fine. That's a um, good topic. It is. And I think the biggest thing is that I think perhaps your tone needs to be more clearly defined for a one shot, but it also can let you experiment a little bit more in a lot of ways. So, yeah, let me speak to my brain process for a minute. When I run one shots, I turn the I turn the the crazy dial up as far as I can turn it. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like one shots are, and and I felt this way for a long time and I'm sure somebody's going to disagree with me on this, but I feel like one shots work really well for no subtlety, but the pure feel or vibes of a game. Whereas like long-term play, whatever that may look like, is where you get into a lot of the subtlety and the details of what a story can do. You don't Fair. have time in a one shot. Like in most, most cases you're only doing one, maybe two at most three sessions. And you're, you don't have the time to get into like character subtlety or uh, nuances in the system or nuances in a story. In a lot of ways, mm -hmm. you have to get to the point and finish it up, even though you can have like interesting details and interesting nuances, but I don't think you're going to have as nearly, uh, nearly as in depth of a, uh, in depth of a story as you're going to with a long-term or longer term thing. Mm. No, I think that's certainly a way to look at it. I think, you know, everything you said is, is completely accurate. I think in most cases, with a campaign, to contrast it, with a campaign, you do just because of people's attention spans, because it's, okay, the the the, the thing I'm going to draw a comparison here is, let's say a TV special, hour, hour and a half, even call it a TV movie or a TV series. You're going to have moments in a movie that are a little more one-way tonally than other. You might have a serious tone overall, but a couple of light breaks. In a TV series, you almost always have a lot of tonal ups and downs and changes, but they're usually more specific by episode. Yeah. And to me, that's the difference in a one-shot in a campaign. You can get into those episodic things. I think you're on to something there. I think a campaign should be more episodic, even though you know you have campaigns where you're trying to tie every episode together. You know, like my D&D campaign, it wouldn't make any sense to just have a random filler episode. But mm -hmm. it, it does make sense that this week is a follow-up to last week, which is a follow-up to the week before that. Whereas in some games, you can do this is different than last week and this is different than last week. We see that with Monster of the Week. Uh, we see that with um, Dungeon Crawl Classics or Morkborg or any of those that really aren't meant for super long-form campaigns. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree that that where you were driving at that you can tell maybe more of a movie story with a one shot. 
because you have basically movie length rather than having television length, which is double, triple, the you know, quad quadruple, you know, whatever. In the case of the Simpsons, you have like 20 times <laughs> the movie length or 200 times or whatever the math is on that. But a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But um, yeah, you have a shorter time period so you can tell a more succinct story. I do kind of agree with that. You be, you have a beginning, middle, and end that the people in that game walk away from. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times in 10 plus sessions of gaming, you lose, you know, you basically only react to the, to the part of the story where you're at. Mm-hmm. So rather than having the whole picture of like, oh, well, we started here and now we're here. And then the end goal looks like this. You're at like, I'm somewhere near the middle because we we were like here and then we got to here and now we're moving on to this like so it's it it definitely gives different perspective and i know that the note takers are like oh but i have all of the details that's great i'm not a note taker <laughs> i i think it shocks no one that i do not take notes <laughs> when i game i am purely there for the day <laughs> well see i have done things um with characters where say my character wasn't the brightest. So I intentionally will take very vague notes or slightly incorrect notes. Yeah, I, I rely on the other note takers in the group because <laughs> there's usually one that's better than me. So I just rely on them to be like, all right, what happened last week? Same when I GM. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's identical to when I GM because I go, what happened last week? Because I don't remember. I can tell you what I think happened. But yeah, it's one of those things where... I think, but also, it's it's also concentration. So that's sort of what I was driving at when I said about turning the crazy dial up to 11. With a one-shot, three sessions and you're done. It's like a concentrated, it, it's not, you know, we haven't had the time to add the water to the juice. This is just pure orange concentrate. <laughs> right? It's, it, it's tart, it's sour, it's hard to swallow, but you're going to deal with it. And mm-hmm. it's going to be straightforward and to the point. And I think if you have one shot that's kind of meandering, you miss the point of one shot. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I think I, that's... I, unless your whole goal is to... I'm sorry, not mm. to cut you off, but unless your whole goal is to show somebody a system and that's it, if you have one shot that's too meandering, you you missed the mark. I Yeah, I think... No, I think that's a valid, valid thing. I think the thing with one shots that you can do, that you can do much easier than the campaign, this is kind of based off of what you're just saying, is that you can be more concentrated. You can be maybe even a little experimental, like, okay, I don't want to run a campaign based around, you know, this one thing, but I can write a heck of a one shot off of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I'm like, this is not a full campaign, but this is absolutely a one shot. And then there's a lot of things that I go, this is not a one shot. This is a full campaign. Call of Cthulhu is that way for me. Um, I feel like I I can tell I feel like I could have a good time with a Call of Cthulhu one shot, but I would have a really good time with a Call of Cthulhu long play. See, I feel like Call of Cthulhu, I think in Take many a shot, ways by the way. If you're still if you're still <laughs> playing the drinking game in twenty twenty three, take a shot, because we mentioned it. <laughs> Is it's a great one shot game because you can have a little contained mystery and things, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think on some level, and I look, there's a couple of absolutely legendary pre-written campaigns for Call of Cthulhu. 
primarily I'm thinking of massive Nyarlathotep, or however anyone wants to pronounce it, and I think it's called Beyond the Mountains of Madness or something like mm-hmm. that. That are both regarded, specifically masks, as one as amongst the best, you know, pre-written campaigns out there. Yeah, and that one's particularly long too. <laughs> yeah, they are. Like not, you know, it's it's not like this is a pre-written campaign that you'll finish in a week. No, this is a pre-written campaign that you'll finish in a year. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it's the, I think the book for it is actually significantly thicker than the core rule book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I think I think the thing is I in a game specifically Call of Cthulhu because characters are a bit more fragile. I, I and again, I don't know masks, but I think those function best where the story is viewed a bit from a third person perspective. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Where like how um last week when we were talking with Jacob and he was talking about alien how the mm-hmm. story is for Steve, not Steve's character. Right, right. Where I think with a one-shot, you can do it kind of either way. I think... Oh, yeah. No, I... One-shots, I, I think, to to put it super simply, I think one-shots need to be more focused, but can be... How do I want to... I think concentrated is, is the exact right way to say it, like you were saying. Yeah, no, Um. there's a term, short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, that's all there is to it. One shots. That's that should be your golden rule with a one shot, mm-hmm. short, sweet, and to the point. Now, not saying I haven't played in some one shots that ended in an absolute question mark. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna do that, make sure that the ending that you're ending in a question mark is satisfying enough for the players that they're not gonna feel like they got ripped off by playing in that one shot. Mm-hmm. Because there is nothing worse than playing in a one shot and feeling like you wasted four hours. Well, I I will think you know, and I'm not trying to toot my horn here by any stretch, but I ran a one shot for some of our listeners quite a while back, the Delta Green thing, mm-hmm. and we ended on a fade to black. And every person that was there was like, "Oh, that was just perfect," right? You know, because we all kind of knew what happened, but we didn't say it. Exactly. No, and sometimes you don't need to. But like I said, you got to be, especially for inexperienced GMs, you got to be careful with ending one shots like that because you can run into a situation where your one shot is going to be lackluster or disappointing because the ending wasn't as strong. Okay. Now I've caught up with where my brain was. What was that? I've caught up with what I was thinking before and, and my brain had stopped halfway through me talking. Okay. So, like you said, your tone, whatever concentrate i think in most cases you actually need to do that more so in a one shot yes because you don't have the time to do those subtleties that people think are great you need to smack them in the face and make them remember it for lack of a a better every day of the week (laughs) every day where i think if you do that in a campaign every single week that you you smack them in the yeah, face with it tone loses its it loses its luster right it becomes a, a exercise in bludgeoning not oh that was cool that's when i was yeah subtlety it's very important that you're you're throwing some of that subtlety to the side and going i need pure like just need to get rid of some of the subtlety mm-hmm. 
Now that's not saying if your one shot is split amongst three sessions, that doesn't mean you can't have any subtlety amongst those three sessions. You just need to proceed with caution. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you can. Uh, well, you can still have, you know, distinct segments of it, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be all the exact same tone. But I, I think, like you mentioned, and and look, we all love those zany things, you know. But but the beauty of one shots is the ability, like you said, to turn the crazy knob, you know, twist it off. Yeah. Or or the dark knob or yeah. whatever. Pick because a dial and turn it up. Everyone is coming into this with the expectation that this is a short contained thing. So I think the intensity can be higher without it feeling exhausting. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a balancing act like everything else, but I think with one shots and often why I've talked to people and they're like, I want to run a game. And I'm like, okay, start your first game as a one shot. And the reason I tell people that is because you have the forgiveness that whatever happens, happens, leave it at the table. You're not going to go back to this thing. It, it gives you the confidence and the strength you need to become a better GM. I ran a bunch of one shots before I felt comfortable running a long form campaign. Mm. And I feel like it's, it's a good starting point makes you almost a better GM because you're not inexperienced. And then simultaneously, you know how far you can push things and how subtle the things can be. Yeah. It's a really, really cool way to get started into gaming. Plus, the other cool thing with with one shots, and I'm I'm just gonna say this now because if I have anybody that's listening is on the fence about gaming or about running stuff, with one shots, you are not beholden as much to people's schedule. I need True. you for four hours on a Saturday or whatever day of the week you choose to run that one shot. I don't need you every Saturday for four hours. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I think though, in terms of your tone, you owe it to your players, especially with a one shot to be clear about the tone, you know, maybe give them a little more of a, I don't even want to say a primer, but just a clear definition of, of what you expect from them you know, especially convention or if it's people you don't normally play with, but because your tone and your whatever can be so much more concentrated, like you're saying, I think you, you definitely want to convey that going in. Right. And I think, and in my opinion, this is what I've sort of started doing it. When you're writing up the description of your one shot, the first two sentences of that description should describe just the basics of what you need to know. How many players? Rough age of those players. Maturity level at the table. What safety tools you're using. And then the next sentence should be like tone. Mm -hmm. We're going, you know, I'm looking for five players. 18 plus. Mature game. Let's say we're going for, you know, I'm going to use a red, yellow, green safety tools. And then my next is like, I'm we're doing a gory graphic you know rough game and that's mm -hmm. you know basic one sentence tone helps you also get your tone put on paper so you know what to follow yes yes 
because you can lose the force to the trees if you don't take the time to actually put yourself out on paper. Oh, and, and you and I know that all too well. <laughs> and oftentimes, I and mean, you know this, I know this, session prep for me in most cases looks like me writing about one or two sentences of, of initial tone. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to look at. If I'm looking at notes when I'm gaming, I'm looking at what I set the initial tone at. And that yeah. can change. That can change. That tone does not need to be super, super strict unless you dictate it be super, super strict. True. I, I was going to say, yeah, you, you, you can't have, in, in, and especially like you were saying, where you, one of the things you like to do with one shots is, is turn the crazy up. Well, yeah. sometimes that leads to very unplanned and dramatic change in direction, which can also totally shift things depending on how they decide to approach it. Correct. Doesn't, not right, wrong. So to talk on that a little bit, just while you're gathering your thought, Mm -hmm. at Gamer Nation Con, I ran a game called It Wasn't Us Meddling Kids. We all know this. It was a rip-roaring success. People told stories about it. It was hilarious. I did not know the tone of that game when I went into it. Now, that's not saying I didn't know the tone of any of it. I knew that it was going to be goofy. I knew that it was going to be silly. What I didn't know was the tonal direction of goofy and silly we were going to go. Because Scooby-Doo can do a lot of goofy, silly tonal things, but also be kind of subtle mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Like, there are more modern portrayals of Scooby-Doo, uh, like the, I think it was called Mystery Inc. from the mid-2000s. It was a really good version of Scooby-Doo, but it was a lot more mystery and a lot more or and a lot less Abbott and Costello meets Scooby-Doo, right? Mm-hmm. Like like the old, you know, Frankenstein meets Scooby-Doo was a thing, and that's goofy and silly. Or I saw clips on TikTok of Kiss meets Scooby-Doo. It's like recent. It's bizarre because it plays into Kiss lore. In case you didn't know, Kiss has a whole lore to their like face makeup and the world they come from because they're all like star children it's wild okay i i'm not that big of a fan to be honest i'm not a big fan of kiss either but i after seeing a clip of of gene simmons and then lance staley and like the whole crew making a interdimensional portal out of what was a ferris wheel in this scooby-doo thing i had to go look up kiss lore okay and and i i I will start sending you pieces of it because it is bizarre Anyways. On, on the subject of weird music-related stuff, yes. did you happen to see the pictures that one of our Discord users posted of the Iron Maiden miniatures? Yes. Where did the? What are those for? Are um, they just? Are they just minis? They are, but he said they're made by the same company. I think that makes like I forget. He, he gave the company, and I'd have to look it up. But they make other like board games and stuff, and they're intended for use with those games. Oh, so they're just a universal miniature. Kind of, yeah. But uh, they were bad. Zombicide, I mean, they... Running Sun. Yes. Yeah, Rising Sun, Ankh, Ankh. Sorry. Uh, that's awesome. I want those. I got to get on those. Oh, like I didn't, like I needed more things to. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. But um, where was I? Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo yes. has a lot of tonal, <laughs> a lot of tonal directions to take. And you go super goofy, you go super serious, or not super serious, but semi-serious with it, and get a very different experience. You as the GM 
know tonally that it's going to be a comedy. That's basically what you know going into that game. Walking away from it, the players dictate the story. And that's, I mean, that's true with a lot of one-pagers. But Mm -hmm. it is such a fun way to run a tabletop RPG and such a fun way to be, to run a one-shot. Set your tone and then be flexible with your players. Because if they go, why did you wanted your tone to be deadly serious? But this is kind of a goofy situation. Can we laugh about it? And if you're cool with that, be cool with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you're if you're running something super serious and players want to come in and be goofy, that might be a different problem. But yeah, I, hey, I mean, it's I think there to, you're also talking about the difference between a convention one shot and a one shot for your normal crew. Yeah, but also one shots. So one shots are weird for me. Normal crew isn't always the same people, especially Fair. for us. Like we have a handful of people that rotate through. We know who's roughly going to be there, but that doesn't necessarily mean, you know. Right. So it's that's I'm just going based off of what I have experienced. But you're right on it on it for most people. You know, you're talking about the game store crew. So you have maybe 15, 20 people that, you know, is going to be possible players. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You have a maybe a you have an idea. It's going to be. Four to six of these 15. Right, right. Yeah, and whereas with, you know, at a convention, you know, it's it can be four to six strangers of these you've never thousand. met. <laughs> never will again. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it can't be fun, right? You know, and, and I think that's where... That's, that's where the fun of dialing it up comes in, because when, when you don't know who it's going to be, you just sit down and you turn up the dial and... They don't know, you know, they don't know you, you don't know them, and you need to set, like, in my opinion, I want to put an impression with them and them walk away going, that was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I think exactly. And I think that's where you see some games, you know, like um, I ran it at Gamer Nation Con. I'm going to run it again at PGX here in a few months. Uh, Havoc Brigade yes. was expressly written as a one-shot con game. Yes, and it was, yeah. Havoc Brigade is effectively all those crazy ideas that you come up with but are a little too crazy to actually try in your regular game. That's what you're supposed to do in Havoc Brigade. You know, it, 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 so it, like you said, it just turns those knobs all the way a certain dir- a direction. And I think that's the beauty of, of one shots is that you can be, like I said early on here, kind of almost experimental with it and going, what if we turn this knob all the way? You know, what does it do? Right, exactly. Where in a campaign, that can have ramifications that either mess up your storyline, mess up your players, you know, concept of what they want to do, whatever. Whereas I think, because I think, and, and, you know, this is obviously very much an individual player thing, but I think one shots are less precious to players than campaigns. And I say that, say precious and not important, because I I feel like in a one shot, you probably didn't put as much effort into the character. You're not thinking of the character as living in the world long term as much as we're in a campaign. Your your character, you're thinking, how do they interact with all this stuff and, and what happened to them before where, you know, in a one shot, it's right here, right now. Right, exactly. I don't know, maybe I'm off base, but I think that's at least an angle that can be taken. Um, I think the other thing that's kind of fun with one-shots, though, is 
to run the same adventure multiple times and see how different different players take it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just to see where it goes with different inputs. Um, or, you know, you could intentionally try and run the same adventure with a different tone. And it, look, I know I mentioned this when we talked about tone a long time ago, but I remember when I was a child watching an episode of Sesame Street and they had this little clip where they were talking about how you know music can make you feel a certain way about how you're seeing something. And they had this clip of an alligator walking across something and they did it once with like some super serious, dark, you know, you know, imposing whatever. And another time with like calliope music and they both fit perfectly as far as with the way the alligator was moving and everything, but it, it made you feel so different. Exactly. No. And that's tone. Like that's, that's tone in a nutshell. Um, right. Yeah. I just, like you said, I think tone, I think tone is more of a living thing in a campaign where, depending on how your players react to circumstances, it's going to move and ebb. And while you may have an overall tone kind of established, it's going to move around with the story where with the one shot, again, concentrated, you know, focused because with a one shot, that's you have to be more concentrated and focused in your storytelling, et cetera. You know, with a campaign, if they don't get to the thing this week, then okay. But in a one shot, that is the thing, <laughs> you know, your, your distractions, your side quests, they don't you know, there isn't room for them, so to speak, or as much, definitely, you know? And, and so I think the, the same applies to tone. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, no. Your video was appeared to be freezing. So I wasn't oh, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nope, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. So what else do we have on this? I mean, like, I feel like it's, if I were to give my sentiments, I think I would want to say tone is more or less important, but I think, you know, to, to, again, to borrow your, your word, concentrated is, is kind of the key thing with tone in a one shot. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest. Not that you couldn't have just a silly, you know, dungeon clearing one shot or, I mean, you know, that's... pretty basic, whatever, but. I there's, feel like a one shot games is, for that. Yeah. But I would just say, you know, like at the end of the day, Morkborg's a game for that. <laughs> yeah. But Morkborg like, has a built in tone to it. Yeah. It does. Um, you could do that with like AD and D. Yeah. And it, it, you know, you don't have a built in tone there. But there's a lot of games that, yeah, there's, it's just, oh, what was it? Dungeon Crawl Classics, I think, is one of them that's like just whatever <laughs> whatever tone you want to go for just as long as you're using these like combat rules mm -hmm. um, i think that's a lot of the osr element is i feel that i feel like a lot of the osr is like hey remember when there weren't so many rules about how we had to play this game and more so just rules about how to play the game yeah i that's an interesting thought because some of these OSR stuff, which, you know, the, the, the Morkborg stuff is, is generally loosely defined as OSR, and that has a very kind of defined overall tone to it. But, but yeah, I think... There's no penalties in that system if you don't follow that tone. <laughs> fair. In, in, in actual Dungeons & Dragons, in current 5th edition, if you don't take everything that it's feeding you as serious, there are penalties for that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, it, I don't know how else to put it, but that's the way that's the way I read it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think I don't know. Now you reminded me of something else I saw this week, which What's was that? a I think it was on Dicebreaker or one of the the bigger gaming sites. They ranked Dungeons and Dragons uh, editions in terms of crunch to go back a couple episodes. Okay. And uh, I don't remember exactly how it all went, but I know least crunchy was like the original B at basic D and D followed by fifth edition with third edition ranked as the most complex, which I think shocks nobody. I don't think that shocks anybody at at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I think one shots are fun though. I think from a tonal perspective, because you can, you can be more adventurous in a lot of ways and try stuff and go, okay, it doesn't work. So maybe I won't try and do that in a campaign or you go, that worked really well. I'm going to put a chapter like this in my campaign, you know, where you might not be able to do that with everything else. Right. Um, what else we got? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I, I can't think right now. Other things. I had a topic that I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't think of what, I don't know. <laughs> you got anything else yeah, well, to talk about? I don't think with the t- the tone stuff, um, not really. Uh, let me look at that thread here real quick. Um, okay, and maybe we can do a lot more on this. But um, what about random encounters? Do you do you like them one in one shots versus campaigns, one over the other? I like them in campaigns. I don't care for them in one shots. Mm-hmm. I- I I like them in campaigns because a random encounter can sort of cover you when you're running low on ideas that way, right? Like, say you're say you're just running into the fatigue wall that we all kind of hit. <laughs> um, a random encounter can sort of be a, a a nice automation to the game to help make it so that you're not going, oh man, I got to come up with another combat. Uh. You just do random encounter. Whereas in one shots, I feel they don't loot it too much, mm-hmm. depending on the frequency at which you're doing them. But I feel like you should know what. I, and I'm not saying this is a dig because I've been there, I've done that. But I feel like you should know when your encounter should happen in a one shot, and it shouldn't be a just need to fill this spot here. Yeah. Um. And in that case, it's not a random encounter any longer. A planned encounter. And you True. should, I like, you should have an idea of what they're fighting before they get to it. Now, uh, with a random in a long form campaign, you don't necessarily have to know what they're going to fight going into it. It could be mm. anything. I'm just going back. That's what I have. Like, that's right now. It could be in from place A to place B, it's robbed. Now they're being robbers. It could be. Um, the gangs in town A, bad guy from town B shows up in town A. Now there's a whole fight, right? Like that's you have a uh, like you don't have to have the most concrete idea of who they're gonna fight to campaign play because you do sometimes need them from that just constant on you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so do a, you try? Go ahead. I was gonna say. So when you use random encounters, do you worry a lot about? tying them into the story in general or are they just sort of bumps in the road um it really de- i they are sort of bumps in the road for me 
Mm-hmm. Um, whereas planned encounters are planned encounters and they're story beats. Mm-hmm. A random encounter. Like I think of like, I don't know, Batman beats up a man in a day on his bike, right? You're runs into. In and out. Can you hear me? Now I can, yeah. Okay. I don't know why that. But Batman fights a bunch of henchmen in a day on his way to fight whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if he's going to fight the Riddler, he's going to fight a bunch of Riddler goons and solve a handful of puzzles. So that's sort of what I throw at my gang is I'll just go, here's a whole little mini fight to get you prepped. And if you end up walking away hurt, okay, well, that sucks. But in 5th edition, it's not so much of a worry. But here's a fight. It's just a way. In, and sometimes if I have really narratively heavy session, I'll throw in a rounder just to give them something to give my players that aren't necessarily there for the narrative, something for grab on. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up a point about with one shots is a lot of time you don't really have time for those. Right. I know I've done stuff in one shots where I may have a, what might seem like a random encounter kind of sitting there off to the side as either I'm going to pull it or put it in depending on time as far as how this, how fast the session is moving. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes if you're not paced out right, you do need to add in an extra combat. I still don't call those random encounters. I plan for them. I, I don't know how to put it. Yeah. No, I think they feel more like a random encounter for a, as a player, though. They feel like it, but I'm not trying to hurt in a way, but on, on my side, at least, I usually have them ready to go, at least in the camp. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, if I'm running a random encounter in D&D, it's straight from the. Ooh, I saw a thing in the book. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I'll find a random encounter table and okay, well you got one of these. Yeah, I I like the tables, but I find a lot of times tables are more inspiration than I actually use it as a true random table. If I didn't, I have one at easy access a lot of times, so I usually just bring it up on it. If I wasn't at that page frequently. Use a table, it would whatever I found in the book that looks fun for them to fight. Um, mm-hmm. But I had found, I don't know, the page or anything. I'd found a table in one of the books I have that I'm running the game out of and was like, this is perfect. This is a good random encounter table of stuff that they're not going to just run into on a normal basis. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on random encounters. I think they're good in, I think they're terrible form and. I mean, I would love to have somebody run me through a random encounter in a short form game and, and change my mind. But I, every time I've tried to do them or any time I've seen them done, I'm always like, this kind of sucks. Seems reasonable and I can't really disagree. Um, all right. I think that's enough of that. And your internet seems to be starting to fritz on us. So let's. Yeah, let's move on to Game of the Week. <laughs> Woohoo! Game of the Week! All right. Who's going first? Uh, I'll go first. All right. I, I, I don't actually have a full-on game. I have an adventure for Morkborg. Okay. Um, and it's called Frostbite. It's a cold and ruthless adventure. I think here in the hottest days of the summer, we need a little bit of cooling off. <laughs> um, would you like me to send you a link? Uh, you can, yeah, since you've probably already got, got it up, that'll go quicker than me. Yep. Clatterdy bang typing. It's in the green room. All right. Oh, there we go. 
Uh, no, 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 no. What are you doing thing? Uh, so this is an adventure for Morkborg. Um, and it is Adelia's paintings going thin. Why is everyone so pale, so cold? Um, it, it is a cold, cruel, uh, gnarly adventure for Morkborg. And I am absolutely down for a cold and cruel, gnarly adventure for Morkborg. Cool. I don't want to run this in December. I would run this tomorrow. <laughs> but uh up here in the you know northeast it's not fun to think about the cold cruelties of winter in the winter time it is fun however think about the cold cruelties of winter when it's 85 degrees and 80 percent humidity this is yes um but that's my game of the week all right so to uh do a bit of a uh Tonal shift, and this was actually unintentional, but it actually is a game using uh, the same dice system as last week's game of the week for me. Oh, yeah? Yes. This is from Gallant Knight Games, who uh, put out a few other things that we've been curious about. And this just looks like it could be really fun for a one-shot, or if you've got children that want to play a game. My game of the week this week is a game called Knights of the Underbed. (laughs) I saw this. It looks uh, really cute. Do you want a link, or do you? No, I I actually have it saved. Um, and and so this you know it says explore the dark and dangerous basement, creep into the creepy attic, or visit the glorious metropolis of underbed, or you know whatever. And this is you know you play the game using stuffed animals, dolls, action figures, you know that are all and you're defending your sleeping human children from monsters and nightmares. So I mean, it's tiny D six which I believe is derived from the old West ND six rules. Uh, so I think it's fairly yes. simple and intuitive. Yes. And it's also simplified even more if I'm remembering. Yes. So, I mean, PDF will set you back all of 15 bucks. Um, there are print on demand options, soft cover, hard cover, you know, uh, but yeah, it, whatever your heart desires. Yeah. And like, I feel like this one, you know, talking about the different directions you could take tonally with a game. Think about the number of different twists you could put on this, depending on who you were playing it with. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting game. I, I think that could be a lot of fun. I looked at it myself and was like, this seems really fun and really cute for like a table of, say, elementary schoolers, right? Mm-hmm. Which um, I think is what it's intended for. This could also be a really fun, really cool game for a table of elementary school parents. <laughs> um, and just get a group of parents that get a bunch of kids in elementary school together and be like, we're going to play this game. We all got babysitters. You know, it's that whole thing. Um, I thought it looked really fun. I think you could have a really good time with it. Yeah, I just think that the name is fun. I think that name is really fun. But uh, like I said, I thought the game looked really good. Well... With all that being said, as a reminder, uh, links to everything are in the show notes. Facebook, Discord, Twitter. Um, I guess X now. Well, yeah, Still whatever. Twitter. Yeah. Um, probably not that for too much long. Look into alternatives. We'll get back to you on that. Um, yeah. We do have a Mastodon on the Dice Camp server, but I almost never remember that it's there to post anything. We have. A, I didn't um, know that there Mastodon, so nothing gets posted to Mastodon, <laughs> but we'll fix that. Yeah, I yeah. I don't well, know. If I, I actually did be fix the it so that our yeah. Well, it's a little more compartmentalized. 
Um, also be stuff for uh, PGX convention if you're interested. Yes. So we have including the discount code. Correct. Um, do we know what the discount code includes? About ten percent. Nice. Nice. So which is already cheap. Yeah, an additional ten percent off of the pre-order bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, which is links to all that in the show notes. That's a gorgeous deal, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, thirty-five bucks for two-day pass. It's less than that if you use our promo code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, links to all that in the show notes. Uh, link down there. Um, and as always, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast, on Discord at Me and Steve RPGs, and as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You gotta go down the street to the store and buy that.